You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. I'm sorry, I'm not doing it the wrong way. This is Play by Play Cast, the world's number one sports media podcast. Wait, what? Nobody's fact checking it, just keep going. Here we go. Who the hell is Happy Gilmore? Got all that on camera, right, John? Sure, I did. All right, because the red light was not on. The podcast about play by play broadcasters for play by play broadcasters, hosted by a play by play broadcaster. Oh, you can stick me in some kind of Italian boat because that one is Gondola. Now, from New York. Really? All the big ones are from New York. Your host, Joe Godet. It's still Joel. Yeah, he will not be able to see very well, Cotton. All right, back at it. Episode number 152 of Play by Playcast. Thanks as always for the subscribe, the stream, the download, however you have found this here podcast. It is, of course, the podcast about play by play broadcasters for play by play broadcasters, hosted by a play by play broadcaster. It's a professional development podcast that dives into the tips, tricks, experience, stories, process, and preparation of some of the biggest and best play by play announcers in the business. My name is Joel Godet. You can find the pod on social media at PXPCast. I am at Joel Godet or email me. J-G-O-D-E-T-T at B-S-U dot E-D-U. Our guest this week needs quite literally no introduction. So I'll give him a brief one anyway. Uh, he is Kevin Harlan. He is a voice of the NFL on CBS and the NCAA tournament. He does the NBA on TNT. And of course, he is the voice of Monday Night Football on Westwood One, including their coverage of the Super Bowl. He started his career as a young pupil under the uh, tutelage of Tom Hedrick at Kansas and then very quickly rose up through the ranks, uh, first in the NBA when the Sacramento Kings were still in Kansas City. Um, He broadcast with them and bounced around a couple of major pro sports organizations on the radio side before uh, very quickly getting into television as well. My love for Kevin Harlan is more on the radio side. He's great at television. But I get exposed to him a lot more on the radio side because our football and basketball coaches shows at Ball State are on Monday nights, and I live an hour away. So, 45 minutes. So, I'm in the car with an opportunity to listen to Kevin Harlan broadcast Monday Night Football on a fairly regular basis. And there is something so... Clean, crisp, awesome, melodic is the word you will hear from Kevin here coming up in just a little bit, Uh, but captivating, descriptive, and precise, and it's, I mean, it's like listening to to a song on radio, it's football set to music in in some way, shapes, or forms, Um, so that's what most captivates me about what Kevin Harlan does, and uh among a number of reasons, was one of the things I was really excited to talk to him about here on this episode. Uh, When I reached out to Kevin, he pretty much takes himself off the grid over the summers. Uh, There's some articles where he talks about that uh, if you you, uh, Google Kevin Harlan. So, uh, number one, grateful that I had the opportunity to sit down with him and that he gave us some time uh, here at the beginning of his offseason. But he also said, hey, I've got 15 minutes. And I went, great, cool. So naturally, almost 40 minutes later, uh, we we got off the phone and finished this conversation. But going into it, there were so many things I wanted to talk to him about. And uh, we don't get to all of it because I wanted to hone in and get right to the meat and potatoes of what we do a lot on this podcast, which is talk about approach to the craft and uh, 
how and why he calls a game the way he does, how his voicing works, um, a little bit about his preparation, and a little bit about what he listens back to and why. Uh, he's got a checklist, like a literal checklist that he will go through and listen back to his own stuff with. Um, you can find it, page 54 in The Art of Sportscasting by Tom Hedrick, the aforementioned uh, mentor of Kevin Harlan in college, uh, there, there's at least a piece of it. There's a, a six-number checklist. Down and distance, ball carrier tackle nuts and bolts. That's number one. Number two, the score every two minutes and a recap of the highlights of the game every five to ten, which is interesting. A lot of us probably don't do that, myself included, enough. Uh, three, did I repeat a phrase too frequently? Uh, yes is the answer for me. Uh, eliminate cliches and overused terms. Four, did I get the correct storyline and tell what was happening? Did I paint a true picture? That's an important one. Uh, five, my main complaint is when announcers are lazy and not descriptive enough. I want to know if the quarterback took a three or five step drop, if the pass was a spiral or a flutter, uh, if the receiver made a diving catch over his left shoulder at the 38 yard line. Be precise with your description. And six, if I get into a slump, I just don't listen for a game. You can be too critical of yourself, uh, which is true and something I should listen to. And uh, I think we could probably all take a little bit from as well. Um, again, that's page 54. There's a couple other uh, sportscasters checklists in there from uh, the art of sportscasting. Uh, so we get into some of that stuff with Kevin Harlan as well. I promised myself I would not ask him about the drunk fan running on the field on Monday Night Football. Uh, it is one of... The greatest moments of all time. It like for a broadcaster as remarkable as Kevin Harlan, the fact that he will be associated until the day he dies and thereafter with doing play by play of a drunk guy running on the field is both a testament to how well he did it and it's really just a testament to how well he did it. <laughs> because there's so many great calls that he has. And people always think about He's bare chested! He's obviously drunk. Well, it was entertaining. Uh, we don't talk about that because I, I figured he gets asked about it uh, enough as it is. Uh, where we start, though, is with that melodic tone. His approach to calling a football game down to the nuts and bolts, night in and night out on Westwood One Radio. Uh, so pumped to have Kevin Harlan this week on the podcast. Uh, quick aside, also, um, our phone connection cut out. A couple of times early in the conversation for like two or three seconds. It's not your podcast. There might be a second of silence. Don't worry about it. It comes right back. Um, and then it's pretty good from there on out. Just wanted to give you that little disclaimer as well. Now, Kevin Harlan here on PXPK. There's a very staccato, descriptive nature, particularly to the way you describe football, in terms of like when I turn on the game and I listen, I know in like machine gun fashion exactly what is happening in front of me and it makes it very easy to understand um and i'm curious as to where that style came from and, and why that in particular works for you well i've i've always tried to um embrace in my mind when i'm going into a game radio or tv uh more of a rhythmic uh uh a pacing that has uh, connected sentences and there's not a lot of pauses, not a lot of segment sentences or segment thoughts, more of having it run right through and having more of it blend together. And I guess it goes back to when I was a very young broadcaster, I would listen to some of my work 
and compare it to some of the others I heard. And Al Michaels in particular, it stuck out in the way that he was doing games and how the, the great flow that came from his delivery. And I think he got that by listening to Vin Scully when he was a young baseball broadcaster. In fact, he's been compared to Scully in terms of his delivery a lot. And Scully was like that. Scully had a very melodic um, uh, way of delivering a call. I think a lot of baseball guys have that, actually, because it's more of a conversational broadcast than it is a regimented football, basketball structured broadcast. So I guess I, I, I kind of took the cue from listening to Michaels and hearing how his phraseology and how his sentence structure had a real flow and melodic sense to it. I can hear it also in Dan Schulman and I've heard it in a lot of great broadcasters and I guess I just feel like like that continuous um, delivery is something that I've just kind of latched on to. I, I feel like when I hear other broadcasters give segments uh, and, and have like these short two or three words in just the body of their play-by-play, not scoring plays, not uh, which, which you can use that kind of sentence formation and and structure and it's effective because you can see what happened and when you listen to emmerich when he does the 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 hockey uh, broadcast for nbc he has a very um machine gun maybe is to me seems faster more of a melodic rhythmic pace to the way he delivers and i've just that's just a personal style and some will like it and some don't uh, because the business is incredibly subjective and not objective. It's very subjective. What, what's your personal taste? And some people like it and some people have harnessed in to face whatever kind of criticism we may individually get with our voice, with our, our the way we deliver it. And so on. So that just to me, to kind of want have been uh, kind of glued to that type of delivery. Yeah, melodic was a better choice of words there. Um, that, but that's why you're Kevin Harlan. And, and no, I'm, no, and but I, I understand. <laughs> I understand, Joel. When you when you say when you talk about machine gun, um, to me, a machine gun uh, has a melodic feel to it, but it's like on steroids like it's so <laughs> fast and it's so rapid fire and like radio play-by-play in the nba to me would have a machine gun type of feel to it hockey on radio would have a machine gun like feel to it i guess on tv because you can see so much you're more paraphrasing but still capturing the rhythm of the play and when when coaches talk to quarterbacks about how they want the offense to run. And when NBA coaches talk to their point guards about about how they want their offense to run, and in the current day of offensive NBA basketball, it's bald movement, it's fluid movement, it's moving. And I think that, to be quite honest, 
your their, your broadcast has got to kind of reflect that type of movement. So, like when I do a game, uh, NFL game for CBS, and it's got you know the the mechanics of the game. I guess I I can identify you know who's got the ball. Antonio Brown, you can see that he's caught the ball, so I don't have to scribe. I don't have to describe what kind of catch he's made. And and so you can say, here's Brown tackled by Jones, gain of five to the 35. You know, people will look at that and they'll say that's kind of a a machine gun or melodic type of delivery. And rat a tat tat rat a tat tat. You know, there's a, there's a, a, a melodic feel to it. To me, I can be efficient and get it out that way, or I can stammer with pauses and speed bumps and, and the delivery. And I just my own personal preference is more being melodic than being segmented and pause filled and trying to get, you know, trying to get out the essence of the play with hesitancy. And and I, I, to me, that just doesn't feel right. And, and, and that's why I've kind of adapted that style. It's just, it's personal preference more than anything else. How do you create this separation between like one of the things that sometimes I'll, I'll hear in a criticism is I want to be able to, to hear when the play ends and what you're going to talk about next and kind of have that that speaking broadcast voice and that ball is in play broadcast voice and and along those lines creating that uh, differentiation for the listener to know uh, what I'm saying now is important but what I'm saying now is that the ball is in play so if you're casually listening this is where you really need to be dialed in because something big could happen. Well, I, th- I think pauses, the pockets of space, are are your way to do that. I I have found. I I think there's, if you can have a little bit of separation from the end of the play, and you know people uh, like will say, well, you know, I heard the whistle, but you gave me another sentence after the whistle, and I say, you know what, you can let you can have all the whistles and all the grunts and the noises on the field you want. But the only thing that matters is a complete representation of what happened on the play. And if I'm going to be clear, and if I'm going to give a, a paint that picture as vividly in your mind as a listener as I can when I'm doing radio, then I'm going to go an extra sentence. And uh, I even had to you know, go through this with the Westwood One people about, yeah, but I heard the whistle, so I know the play's over. Yeah, but I'm not going to sacrifice – something that happened, an ankle-high tackle on the sideline as he lunged for another two yards as opposed to saying, and he's tackled at the 25. Well, you know what? Anybody can say that. Anybody can say he's tackled at the 25. But for the guy driving down the interstate at night and all he has as his companion is your voice and your call, then I'm going to say he makes the chest-high catch on the far sideline, here's the whistle, and he lunges ahead as he's grabbed around his ankles, but that extra lunge gives him another yard to the 26. I'm going to say it, and I don't care what the listener hears. If I'm if I'm a second or two behind the play, I'm going to sacrifice that for giving a complete picture. And and then on on radio, then it's kind of incumbent on your analyst to know the rhythm of your call and to know when you're done. So when you're done, hopefully he allows a pause to kind of put that that on air pocket of space period. So then, like a Kurt Warner or Boomer Esiason, who on radio I'm working with, you know, they can pick it up. And just by the change of voice, you know, the play is over. Just by the hesitancy after the play, after you put a period on the play, 
and there's that space, you know, the play is over. And that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, like, I, I'm going to stick with the melodic, the melodic drive through the play with my voice and the sequence to show you that the play is still going on. There's a movement on the field. And, and then when I stop, you know, I'm the play is over. And, and hopefully I've made that very clear mm-hmm. with a down, a downward shift in my voice, but that, that, you know, that when I stop, it's not because I'm starting and stopping, starting and stopping and have hesitancy. It's that that's part of the reason why I'm more connecting him and machine gun like is that, is that I'm following through and there's movement on the play. And then when I stop, you know, the play is stopped. There's no, you know, there's no like, like, uh, oh, the play's still going. And I hear a lot of guys, they'll get the play. Oh, here's the catch, you know, and there's a pause and, and uh, he's racing down the sideline and, and a pause. And I, I want to flow through it so that I'm keeping up and, and conveying the movement on the field with the call and my voice and the melodic rhythmic pacing that I'm hopefully giving to it. How do you slow yourself down in that moment? Um, and, and I say that from if there's a catch over the middle of the field and all of a sudden my eyes get very wide and it's, all right, where is he? Which direction is he going? Uh, where is the nearest defender? Who is chasing him? Um, putting everything in context and everything can very quickly start to spin in your mind. How do you get it to a pace for yourself where you can then adequately describe it and not get caught up tripping in your own mind um, to describe something as, as 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 vividly as you would most like? Well, that's why you got to stick in a gear and get and find that rhythm, and you've got to find what that gear is, and um, you're going to find that if there's a bang bang play. And it's a crossing pattern, which are very difficult plays in the NFL and any football to call because it's a short pass. The guy's in movement. He's being chased. And a 10-yard, 12-yard crossing pattern is a quick throw, quick catch, quick movement. And you can't adequately, or at least it, just, it seems very daunting, to try to compare everything uh, to the speed of the play. And some plays are so fast that you can't do it. So you've got to have... You know, um, like like in your in your history, the ten thousand hour rule that it takes ten thousand hours to be perfect or a master at anything. So if you see a play like that by watching tape of what a team has done and know that the crossing pattern, you've got to kind of before a game figure, okay, now how am I going to call this? When Antonio Brown is crossing on a short pass of ten seven yards through the air from Roethlisberger, how am I going to call that? So you think about thing, and it's a crossing pattern, which mainly everybody that knows football can visualize. Or maybe you say, here's a pass, and it's a short one down the middle of the field, caught in a crossing pattern by Brown in stride. He's chased along the 25, running on the 25, cuts to the sideline, the 23, angles out of bounds of the 20-yard line. You know, you, 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 can, you can begin to – in your mind, okay, how am you know? It's just like a quarterback preparing for a defense. He's going to see, mm-hmm. and he's got to make he's got to make split second decisions uh, and, and make all the declarations in the matter of two or three seconds as he falls away from his center and drops into the pocket to throw, or he's in the gun and you can see his eye. Like he's got to make very quick decisions. Well, as a broadcaster, you know you've got to think that same way. You got to think of okay, uh, I'm going to see crossing patterns. 
when they happen, here is how I kind of want to handle it. And, uh, and and the economy words there, whereas when you get a big arching pass down the side, you can catch your breath. You can describe the ball arcing its way down the sideline, looking into the lights over the shoulder, reaching out, lunging with the one hand. Now a two handed catch as he falls to the ground. You know, you can think of all those things. But if you stay in rhythm, you automatically don't speed up. You stay same speed. You keep at the same speed all the time. And you may have a heightened voice, but you've got to stay at the same speed for your listener. Because if you if you start to shift gears and go faster, then you're in trouble. So experience tells you that maybe I can't call every five yards as he's running down the sideline. But because he's running so fast that I can call every 10 yards as he's running down the sideline throwing in, you know, where he is on the field. He's at the 20 and he's being chased to the 10 and he's down to the goal line and he's in for the touchdown. Sometimes guys are cutting and stopping and starting and juking and faking and lunging that you can work. He's at the 25, cuts to his right, he's at the 20, makes a break, breaks a tackle. The, you know, you can work your way down uh, the, the, the routine of the play if there are short, quick, but but slow progressing moves but when you've got somebody who's just flying down the sideline you know you get you got to figure out a better efficiency and so that becomes that becomes the key and that comes with experience that comes with having done it and thinking about the process okay how am i going to call a quick cutting play on a quick slant and, and you've got to come up, you know, here's a quick throw. Here's a quick short throw by Roethlisberger on a dive. It's caught on a slant at the 25-yard line uh, with Antonio Brown inside the hash mark for a gain of seven. Well, I can still – oh, that was a very short economic way of doing it. But, uh, you know, I, I can economize the sentences but still not lack the description. So it just kind of comes across as being, as being you know, down that – down that preparation thinking, all right, I'm going to see crossing patterns. I'm not going to be caught by surprise. I know they're going to throw them. How am I going to say it? And, and if, you, if you have a little forethought, you, you can begin to, you know, figure out an economic way of, of handling that by keeping the same speed and the same rhythm in your delivery. On that note, uh, how intentional is how you use your voice in those situations as well? Um, like I had somebody tell me, like, when Lin-Manuel Miranda is acting on Broadway, he doesn't. there's not a word in the script he hasn't thought about how he inflects and how that impacts the meaning of what he's saying. Um, how, how much time do you have to think while you're calling a game, or does that go back to the thinking about it ahead of time? Um, this is how I'm going to make this sound in the moment, because uh, by directing my voice up, down, east, west, loud, you know, quiet, staccato, however you do it, um, that paints the picture more completely as well. Well, you can't you can't plan anything in terms of big moment stuff. You can you can plan and, and even on a crossing pattern or a quick slant, you can plan how you're going to get into the play. But how you end it, you've got to be it's got to be organic. You, you can't write down uh, phrases or words or 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 how you're going to, you know, you, you can't it, it, it's it, it. You've got to lose yourself in the game. You've got to be so focused on the game that the game and its rhythm and its pacing will then direct how you're going to do it. You can't sit there and, and that's the rub. That's a hard thing to do. And you've got to do, you know, countless innings, countless quarters, countless 
you know, halves. Yeah, it becomes to, too much to, thinking. To, yeah, you yeah. can't. You can't think about it because when you think about it, it sounds like you've thought about it. You can't do that. It's got to. It's got to come out in the flow of the play, and and when it comes out in the flow of the play, then it sounds organic, and then it sounds like you're. Uh, just in in the moment, and you always want to be in the moment. If you if you decide to to you know okay, if he makes the if he makes this big catch, I want to come up with you know this this phrase. Uh, you you got to let your you got to just kind of lose yourself in the game. And if the moment calls for it, the only thing that I struggle with personally is how long you linger at that level, and when you let it die. And the longer I'm in the business, I've learned that it's a burst. You level, and then you either lay out and let the moment speak for itself, and the crowd ask, you know, act as a like a symphony of, of noise and back of you to carry it from that point on, and what more needs to be said. Um, and, and what I struggle with sometimes is, 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 grabbing, is grabbing my emotion and, and then letting, you know, let, then getting back down again, plateauing, but not keeping it at a certain level, I, I need to, I need to, I need to get down on, on the downside of that. And that, 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 that works, that, that is something that I constantly have to work through because I do get emotional and, and I do fight that emotion all the time. And, and that becomes one of the biggest things I go back and listen to and just close and cringe uh, my eyes at when I, when I hear myself stay too long at an upper level and I don't get back Give it a burst. Give it a shot. Give it that, you know, like when Emmerich does hockey, like he'll go, you know, he, he works and he has that that great rhythm to his call. And then it stands out and he goes, and he scores, you know, like that. And then it stands out. And then he then he cascades down after he says it. And it's so effective. And that I'm still in the process of trying to trying to lasso that that great skill that he has myself. How do you get to be? so good in terms of reaction though that like LeBron James has no regard for human life is not something that most people would think of naturally um where, where does that reaction and and the ability to 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 say something that I mean that's probably what a lot of people were thinking but I don't necessarily think we would all say it as broadcasters uh what makes that moment happen for you that well that, yeah, that comes through that yeah, that particular moment, I knew it was big. I was working with Doug Collins, and Doug arm braced me uh, with his left arm against my chest and knocked me backwards. So my chair, as was his, were falling backwards as James did what he did, and that just came out of just you know who knows where. That just came out of thin air. I I, I have no idea. I can't. People ask it all the time. I can't explain it. I do not know. Uh, the dagger shot by by Kawhi the other night. You know, uh, I've used dagger before, not recently that I can't I can recall, but I've used. You know, ah, oh, he fires a dagger from the corner. I may do something like that, but why I chose to use it right then? Why I didn't speak after the ball was bouncing on the rim? I, I don't know. And why I said, oh, after it went in with Greg Anthony. A lot of times you're playing off your analyst too, and if he's emotionally charged, then you get that way. It goes back to what I said initially you don't plan it it's got to be organic and the more you do the more you kind of feel like you've got all these different things um in your head because you've lost yourself 
in the game. And it's amazing when your focus is that strong, how, how much you, uh, how much you, I'm sorry, there's another call coming in. Uh, it, it, it's amazing how much you let your uh, emotions take over and let them guide you where they're going to guide you. But you can't write down phrases. You can't write down, you know, like like I, I know there are some broadcasters that know at the end of a World Series <laughs> or at the end of a Final Four or at the end of a Stanley Cup, you know, they may have something that will sum it up so perfectly. And, and the latest example I can say, and I don't know how Jim handled this, but when Tiger won the Masters, Nance captured that. I know it was probably organic, but he, he can't help but be caught up in the drama and the historical nature of the moment and of the comeback and where, you know, he's, you know, where Woods has been. And Nance is so good at those moments, it comes out so seamlessly. Others try that and they sound like they've written it out. And you cannot do that. So so you've just you've just got to lose yourself in the moment. And you're, you'd be surprised sometimes when you've been focused so long and you don't hear anybody, you know, you don't hear the music in the arena. You don't know how cold it is in that press box in December and in the NFL broadcast. You don't even think about that because you're so lost in broadcasting that game that you are where you are. You are in the moment and you trust your instincts and you hope that that whatever it is in your mind that clicks into that channel of thought clicks into that channel of thought at the right time to give you what you need to have, you know, and sometimes it doesn't have to be colorful and it doesn't have to be provocative. It can just be for the win, you know, like, and I could have said that with Kawhi Leonard for the win, you know, and a lot of guys would have said that and it would have been perfect. The, the dagger thing just came out. The 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 slam dunk with LeBron just kind of came out. Had I just said LeBron over Garnett, oh, you know, like that, then that that would have been just probably as good. So so you know, and and it, it's you know it's it's why um, you know guys are are different, and that's what's great about the business is there are no two guys alike, and some use silence, and some use words, and some are provocative, and some are simple. And that's what makes it so great. I know I've got to let you get going here, but I want to ask you one preparation question, if that's okay. Sure. Um, I know you've talked about going back and listening back to your stuff, and you've got a checklist for it. Um, And there's the one in Tom Hedrick's book. And one of the ones that is in there is whether or not you correctly conveyed the storyline and told the true picture of what's happening uh, is one of the things that you listen for. And I'm curious how you approach a broadcast from that standpoint in terms of all right here are here are my major topics that I want to hit on and this is the story arc that I think we want to paint going into it and obviously the game will dictate and go where it goes but how do you set it up so that at the end of the day you walk away and say you know what I think we we taught our audience who these teams were and where they're at in their season and their journey uh most appropriately how do you set that up how do you design it to make sure that you can kind of keep yourself on track well that's that's the challenge is to make sure that you go in with a very clear definitive storyline going in and then it's like it's like a it's like a great story there's a beginning there's a middle and there's an end and you address these topics with your open 
and early in the game. And like an hourglass, an hourglass is very wide at the top, and then it funnels down and gets narrower as the sands go through that little opening, as the grains of sands fall to the bottom of the hourglass. And that's kind of how a broadcast is. You have the hourglass, and at the very top of the hourglass, which is so wide, you are talking about a lot of storylines going in. As the game unfolds, you begin to narrow it in, and then you fan back out again in the bottom of that hourglass as you get to halftime to see where you've been specific, you've been broad, you've narrowed it down, you've gotten specific, and now the bottom is filling up. And what are those grains of sand telling you in the bottom of that hourglass? Are they staying with the storyline? Has it deviated with an individual performance? You know, what has happened to um, that, that, that storyline you went in? So now you're in the middle. And then you begin it again. Well, we began here. You get in the second half. We began here. Um, here is what has happened. And here is where we continue now at the second half. And, and so then you use that same concept as the game is, is working down. So you try to answer those questions going in and about what has really happened. And I always got to remember, too, that, you know, all these reporters in the press box, they're, they're figuring out how they're going to analyze the game after the game. What you're doing is, is reporting as it's going on. And, and, and so you're, you're, every, every snap, every pitch, every shot is, is different. Every, every you know, thing brings a new angle to a developing story. So you're, you're like reporting as a story is unfolding. So your role is much different. But at the end of the day, you've got to somehow kind of bring everything together and give your end-of-the-game headlines a beginning, a middle, and an end. And so those end-of-the-game headlines and what has happened, what we've seen, and you try to, you know, digest and then and then shoot out what really has gone on here, you know, that's the rub. And a lot of times you will ask people in the booth. You'll do it during commercial breaks to your analyst. Hey, I'm thinking this. What do you think? You'll talk to your producer. I'm thinking this. Am I on target? Are we on target? Have we answered our questions? It becomes a lot of teamwork in there, too. But at the end of the day, you've got to deliver that line that that you've got to deliver the, the, the you know, the lead on the story after the game. You know, Aaron Rodgers has thrown three touchdown passes. The Packers have all won five straight and their lead in the division is two games halfway through the NFL schedule. There it is. You know, going in, boy, Rodgers has been hot. The team has played well. They've won four in a row. Can they make it five today against the Chicago defense? which is allowing the fewest points, you know, per game in the NFL. That's your storyline going in. Where is that at halftime? What happens in the second half? And then what is your final, what's your, what's, what's your final story headline as you sign off the air? And, and that's, you kind of think of it as a newspaper man or newspaper woman. How, how is a beat reporter, would you report this game? And their stories all week long have been about, you know, what's going to happen. Here are the interesting storylines. And then their first story on Sunday afternoon, early evening is here's what we thought. Here's what happened. And, and here's where we go from here. And your broadcast, you're, you're, it's like you're watching a fire. You're watching a tornado. You're watching something happen, you know, minute by minute, play by play. So you've got to be an on-the-spot reporter with the same aspects and qualities that a game reporter is putting into his or her final game story. You make it sound so easy that way. 
<laughs> well, that's how you're thinking. That that's how you're that's how you're trying to do it. And sometimes you do it, and sometimes you 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 capture that. Many times you go back and go, gosh darn it, I wish I would have said this. I wish I would have framed it like that. Um, so you're never perfect. And I can get in the car after a game, heading to the airport, and think of a thousand things I would have done differently. Um, different inflection, different facts, different notes, different ways. But at the end of the day, you do the best you can after a week of preparation, and you use your experience you've learned in the past, and hopefully uh, it takes hold in the right, proper way to convey that story. My final question for you, Kevin, is um, why is it important to have fun with sponsor reads? Uh, you got a lot of pub for the angry whopper, um, but I, I imagine like Burger King gets a kick out of that, um, and it also adds a bit of levity to the broadcast. Um, what, what lets you cut loose in a moment like that? Well, I don't know that they do get a kick out of it. I'm not <laughs> sure that they do. I've never <laughs> okay. been told one way or another. No one has ever said one syllable to me about what they think about it from Turner. I, we get very little feedback, so I don't know if they like it or if they hate it or if they're just <laughs> compiling a list of crap that's going to come back and haunt me someday and say, here's why you're being fired, uh, A, B, C, D, and E, angry whopper, and whatever they may say. So whether they like it or not, I have no idea. Um, my kids tell me that, that social media likes it. I don't go to social media, so I do not know what they what what they think personally of me or whatever. I know if there's something that's egregious or something wrong, the kids will tell me and say, "Dad, you better you better look at what this comment says because they may have something here." And, and I'll occasionally do that. A lot of times, I'll know that I've messed up myself and and I don't do it. But but I don't know. I uh, the games are either they're slow or we haven't had a couple laughs in a while, and you want to make it light. And I'm not defaming the the um, the uh, person that's sponsoring the broadcast. Hopefully, I'm just making it, uh, you know, we're having fun. I want you to know we're having fun. We're not taking things too seriously. Um, but I really don't even think that, you know, consciously. I just, if it strikes me as funny, I say it. And if it doesn't strike me as funny, or it's a serious time of the game, we read it and we move on. So it, it just, I can't give you why. I do it. And I read that. Th I've read it, you know, 20 times. But that one time I happened to read it and it just for whatever reason struck me as being funny. And I read it as such. And it happened to come out that way. And <laughs> I guess people liked it. I don't know if my bosses liked it, but that's the way it came out. And here we are a month or whatever afterwards. And I still haven't heard if they liked it or not. So um, I'm still getting a check every couple of weeks. So that's good. So I guess I'm still employed, but there could be the day when they say, <laughs> you know what, that was that was unconscionable. We lost a sponsor because of it, and we're losing you because of it. And I said, all right, all right, I get it. I, I it's on me. I did it. I, I get it. It's it's uh, you know, it's uh, I, I made a mistake. I screwed up, and we probably also, you know, I think Al Michaels and and Schulman and Nance, and I think we all say stuff. We like it, Buck. We all say stuff we regret. Um, uh, but uh, but hopefully it, it's nothing to to uh, be too alarmed about. They get the spirit of the read, and and we all can kind of laugh, and it's part of the live broadcast. Yeah, and it's fun. At the end of the day, it reminds you that you're having fun and you're talking about sports. So, well, I hope so. Yeah. Uh, it's intended that way, and there's nothing that's nefarious or anything like that about it. Believe me, Kevin. Uh, thank you for doing this. This was a like this was a wild half hour for me to sit and listen i know i went way over on time but uh that was awesome so thank you for uh thank you for being part of this sure thanks for asking always fun to talk to another broadcaster about the business and different things you could talk to uh probably 10 guys they give you 10 different answers some will give you the same 
and um, I'm one guy in a big business with a lot of different uh, thoughts on how it should be done. Um, but um, I, as I tell the kids that write me all the time and want advice, I say, you know, it's it's a work in progress, and you're always evolving. And there's never a, a, a period. It's always a lot of commas. There's always – it's not the end of a paragraph. It's it's the continuation of a story. And really until you decide that you're no longer in the business or working or someone makes that decision for you, there really is no period. It just, it just continues. You try to get better. You try to evolve. You try to stay current. And that's what I try to do. And a lot of times things don't work. Sometimes they do. Uh, you just hope to be on the do side as opposed to the don't work side more often than not. And um, But I do like talking about the business because I think it's a lot more fascinating and more involved, as is every skill, uh, than people probably think of. They probably just think we put the headset on and go right at it. But there is a lot, I think, involved in it. Maybe I think too much about it, but that has been my path, and I've enjoyed the journey. I love the challenge. And uh, I would tell you that probably most broadcasters are in that same uh, realm of thinking. They enjoy the challenge every time they, they sit in in, uh, in back of a monitor with the headset on and ready to broadcast. I'll tell you this much. I think it was you in uh, in Winston over the summer. I think it was you that said at the end of a broadcast, you should feel exhausted. Um, and over the course of the last year, like every time I every time I get through a game, I'd always kind of check myself and say, am, am I tired um, and if I'm not, I'm probably not working hard enough. And it was just one of those things where I would just try to lock myself in a little bit that much more um, because it's, I mean, it's fun, but at the end of the day, it's work and you've got to have that dedication to it. So that kind of, that helped me over the last year just get better. So I, well, good, I good. good. I, I do, I feel mentally exhausted a lot of times, especially at the radio, physically exhausted. And I'll say, well, okay, at least, you know, I, you know what you want to do is you want to look at yourself in the mirror after a broadcast and say, did I prepare as well as I could have? Did I give every thought of the last three hours to that game? Did, did, did I do my best? You know, and, and if you can say, I did my best, it may, you know, there's always going to be somebody who does it better, better voice, better delivery, better, better um, acquiring of what happened and summing it up better. There's always, I always told our girls, there's always going to be somebody prettier in the class, someone smarter in your class someone uh whatever and there's always going to be a, a bigger this a better that and all you can do at the end of the day is be true to yourself and say i did the best that i could here's what i learned let's see if i can incorporate what i learned to be better the next broadcast that's why mm -hmm. i say you're always evolving you've always got to evolve and and the day that you said ah good enough good enough the day you say good enough is the day that you say you know what you've lost the spark and the fire and the love more importantly the love of doing the business. You've got to love the business because it requires a lot. And if you don't love it, then you shouldn't do it. Yeah. And that probably is true with any any profession that any of us have. If you don't love it, then you shouldn't do it. So I guess I just kind of feel like I still love it. I still feel challenged. I feel that my, I still got my best broadcast ahead of me. And and that's kind of how I, how I uh, approach every game that I've got. All right, that is Kevin Harlan joining us here on episode number 152 of Play by Playcast. That piece about being exhausted at the end of a game, like, that's something I thought about a ton this past year. And I would check myself, particularly at football games, because there's just so much to take in at a football game. Basketball's a little more straightforward. But football, it's, there's 22 guys, and 
100 yards and there's a lot of space a lot of things that can happen um i would ask myself a lot particularly the quarter breaks at halftime am i tired enough which is like a weird question to ask but i would ask myself like have i exerted myself enough Am I looking at enough things? Am I doing enough work? Am I being as descriptive as possible? Do I feel mentally exhausted? Because if I don't, A, the game's not over, but B, I've got a little bit more left to give. So dial myself in a little bit more. Be a little bit more this, a little bit more that. Part of that is probably wildly unhealthy, um, but but I don't mean it from that standpoint. I just mean it from the standpoint of it was almost like a mental check of making sure I was as clicked in as much as possible, as long as possible, and it was something that I really heavily thought about uh, over this past year, and I thought it made a difference, which is the ultimate end goal there. I, I thought it made a difference. So uh, that was something that I know stuck with me over the last year uh, when I heard it. Many thanks to Kevin Harlan. This was an awesome episode. Like, I found myself sitting there, like, drooling at every word. Like, sitting on the edge of my seat in my office on the phone. Like, waiting for the next thing to come out. And not that that doesn't happen every week when I do these conversations, but it was just different. It's almost like the, like, the, the guy just drops play-by-play on the phone. It's like a parlor trick. Like you know when you tell people you're a, you're a broadcaster and they go, "Can you broadcast something for me now?" You're like, "Well, nah, that's kind of hard." Like I'm on the phone with Harlan and he just starts doing it. And it was great. Okay. It was awesome. Loved it. Loved every second of it. Many thanks to Kevin Harlan for joining us this week, episode number 152. We're off for 7 days back at it next week. This is Play by Playcast. My name is Joel Gadet. And that will do it from St. Louis, where the score is inconclusive.